Hi, it's Mariam. Hey, it's Safa. And, and welcome, welcome to the first episode of the Connect, Create, Change podcast. We are so happy to be here today. Yeah, I mean, a lot has changed in our lives this year, and I'm just so happy that this is happening and beyond excited to start this journey. Me too, and speaking of change, we gotta admit that we don't like change. We just don't like stepping out of our comfort zones. So true. I mean, everyone experiences their own level of fear of change. That's why comfort zones exist in the first place. But I think it is necessary to remember that we are not alone in these feelings surrounding change. And though change can be scary, it is also beautiful and empowering. Yeah, I totally agree. Anyway, with us here today on the first episode of the Connect Create Change podcast, drumroll, is Frantar. Woohoo! So, Frantar is the executive director and founder of Breaking Walls. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm great, Safa. And you? I'm fine. I'm I'm good too. Um, well, friend, I would like to start by saying that it is an honor to have you as our first guest on this podcast. I mean, looking back and just reminiscing about the old days, I met you in 2019 in Tangier. Um, and to be here today interviewing you for the Breaking Walls first podcast, it's just amazing. I mean, how does that make you feel? Now that you mention it, it actually brings tears of joy to my eyes and my heart. Um, I think you know Danny really, really well, our director of leadership from Cape Town, our Breaking Walls director of leadership from Cape Town. And as we talk about our adventures together as friends and collaborators, she always says to me, Fran, you must thank your lucky stars that you decided to go with Breaking Walls to Tangier. Uh, Every Breaking Walls experience is so powerful, so transformative, such an exquisitely beautiful personal and collective journey. And yet the Tangier Summit was magical. Maybe we all knew somewhere in the universe or the universe was saying to all of us, you need to come together and absorb this creativity and this beautiful energy to, as we navigate this new environment. So yeah, I'm really glad. It's, it's really a beautiful circle. Also, not only for breaking walls, but for myself personally, to see and feel the ownership that the artists and ambassadors are taking since 2019 and our 2020 virtual cooperative. C'est magnifique. C'est magnifique. Do you know what I'm saying? Like to see you as not, you're not emerging young leaders. You are young leaders that yep. you young people, men and women, wherever you are in the world are, are taking charge of the organization. And I'm just like, you know, sending emails. <laughs> so, yes. yes, I believe our listeners and Safa and I would like to know, to get to know Breaking Walls better, but I think the best way to do so is to take a trip down memory lane and have you tell us the story of how it all started, because I mean, we may be a global family right now, but I believe, and I think I speak for all of us when I say our story started in New York. And I think I want you to tell us the, the story of how it all started, the very beginning. Oh how my goodness. Thank you, thank you. Miriam and Safa, I think you both know, and I hope our listeners can tell from my voice, 
this is a story I love to tell. Love to tell. I was um, a classroom teacher. I think you all know that for many, many, many years and loved it. Absolutely loved it. And one of the things that I sought out when I was in Denver was the opportunity to apply for a grant from the federal government. This was, I don't know, 1983, 1984. It wasn't just, you know, it wasn't recent. Anyway, this that would design, write and implement a play written and designed by high school kids and to be performed for eighth graders. And it was to help them, uh, the eighth graders, understand the situations that they would encounter as ninth graders going into high school. So I, got, I applied, we got the grant. I had seven young people who wrote this play and we had one of the, each student had a different issue. Uh, not attended, alcoholic parent, um, struggling with their sexual identity, whatever it was, um, self-harm, whatever it was. And then when you toured and performed for the younger students, you there was a talk back, but you answered in the character of your, uh, in your character's voice. So if you were the young person that was experiencing non-attendance, then children would say, you know, I've had this issue. And you, you would ask as if not you personally, but your character who was experiencing this. And we did this training in, um, with different counselors and that. Anyway, so I had this extraordinary experience and we, we got the grant for four or five years and then the federal guideline, the money ran out. But at any rate, so when I moved to New York, I had this, this extraordinary experience embedded in my heart and mind. And when I started as the education director at the Women's Project, it was an easy, easy leap to take that opportunity or that format and change it into sort of what we were doing at the Women's Project with our 10 Centuries of Women Playwrights program. And young people would read a play written by a woman from our curriculum, place it in the context of his, the history, and then talk about those issues, those historical issues, were they still happening now in contemporary 1995, 98, 2003? And if so, then to create a monologue about how you would cope with it. So, and then we would perform those at our theater. And by luck, hook or by crook, I don't know what, I ended up volunteering to do some program like this at the Ida refugee camp in Palestine. And I went and it was super powerful, super powerful. And I came home and I was telling everybody that I could get my hands on. Anybody like, how was your trip? <laughs> Finally, somebody said to me, you know what? I think you have a documentary here with these kids in Bethlehem and these young people in Brooklyn who you would think are completely different but are absolutely positively experience going through almost identical issues from sibling rivalry to trouble with occupation forces and the police. So this whole spectrum. And I made two documentaries. I think you know that. Bethlehem to Brooklyn Breaking the Surface and the award-winning Brooklyn Bridges to Bethlehem and Back. And when we finished filming, I asked these young people, these extraordinary young people, from Bethlehem and Brooklyn, what did you get out of this? And they all like, their hands just shot in the air. They said, so easy, Fran. The world looks at all of us from Bethlehem and Brooklyn as the young people who are in need of, you know, you know, input from other people that we, we're not gonna survive unless somebody comes in and rescues us. That's how we, that's what we need. And we have shown that we are extraordinary. That we can not only come together as a creative community, but we can make a change. We wanna continue building this bridge with every kid, everywhere, no matter their race, their religion, or their attitude.
uh, I was gobsmacked. That is such brilliance. And again, why we need to listen to young voices. You have the depth and the understanding and the perception and the strength to see what steps are needed next to make a really equitable truth telling just world. So I was inspired and I asked them for their permission to take their vision and turn it into a nonprofit. Now, the original plan, I'm gonna be really honest with you, was to have this core of young people in Brooklyn and this core of young people in Bethlehem. And every summer, these kids would go to a new site in the world and they would be ambassadors, artists and ambassadors, artists creating this, this writing and performing it and ambassadors for their cultures because everyone you know, has, they are frequently prejudged. Those two populations are very frequently prejudged. Anyway, so we went to Berlin in 2012, great plan. And the first thing that we realized is the Berlin kids wouldn't go home. I really thought at the end of the day, they'll go running home to their friends and their families and have dinner. And they wouldn't, they didn't want to leave. They even came back to the hostel and played cards till one o'clock in the morning or two o'clock in the morning. And I thought, oh, well, in the end, they said, you know, we kind of feel badly that we weren't invited to stay in the hostel, which is now why we have become the Pied Pipers and we have Berlin, Bethlehem, Brooklyn, Barcelona, Cape Town, Detroit, Warsaw, Santiago, Tangier, you know, and wherever we go next, Bucharest or Saigon or, you know, Havana, Cuba, we'll just keep collecting beautiful, beautiful young people until, you know, we just, we just tip over because we're, we're too full. <laughs> so anyway, I hope that answers your question. It does. I wanted to thank you for telling your story. You're really amazing. You're really good with storytelling. That's, we know that. That's that. And I want to tell you, I want to thank you for well, your and also yes. for seeing the good in others. And you know, always wanted to the best. You always wanted to, wanted the best for uh, for everyone, not only the breaking walls artists, but for all the people listening, the people around the world. You just want the best for everyone. You want everyone to make it. You want everyone to be able to be the person they want to be. You just want everyone to be free. And honestly, that that says so much about you. And honestly, I really want to thank you for that. I don't think I've ever seen someone who's just so kind. And for no ulterior motives. Yeah. You just do it. You're out there right. saying good words to everyone, encouraging, just trying to cheer everyone up. First of all, gracias, shukran, merci, and cosa. <laughs> all of the thank yous that I can say. As individuals, all of us have a very, it's really anchoring to have, to understand and hear how people perceive us because we can never see ourselves in our interactions. It's just impossible. So to hear you both share that to your words today, it's so, it's empowering and it's reassuring that my actions are accomplishing what I hope and what I want them to, whether it's the young people that I'm working with, there's a, you know, the guy at Hector's diner. It's, it's something that I, I, I place a lot of personal value on, being able to make people around me feel as happy and joyous as I am personally. To, uh, yeah, I remember you mentioned your high school students sort of just use the theatrical performances to sort of help them through what they were going through at that time. And I just thought that, you know, that at this socially and politically vol volatile moment in time, we all need access to a little more art, to sort of what they had found in theater. We need that beauty, we need hope, we need strength and nurturance and also soothing. I mean, yes, I, um, and thankfully I believe that um, 
art offers each and every one of us all of these things that Safa has mentioned. Um, I think that Breaking Walls being an international, uh, international youth empowerment movement that focuses on art, um, one can't help but ask themselves, how exactly does Breaking Walls use art to promote change? That is an excellent question. Excellent, excellent question. This is my belief. We do it in two ways. The first is the internal transformation, change, if you will, by being asked to write about something that is intrinsically terrifying. And I understand that. I understand that when I design the writing triggers or select them and then the director team and the ambassadors pick the ones that we are, select the ones that we're going to use for a particular experience or program, that we're asking each of you to tap your innermost feelings and then sometimes your innermost fears or your innermost hopes. All of those things have a tendency to make us each feel very vulnerable and then to stand up in front of, especially when you're in a summit and there are 20, you know, what were there? 29 artists in Tangier mm -hmm. and you stand up in front of them and you read your writing and you've only known them, you know, overnight, many of them, especially the Tangier artists. And then the Berlin artists were new. And, you know, there's all of these different, we hadn't seen each other in a year. I mean, there are a lot of varied connections there and yet you all do it. There is a sense of, you know, this is a safe space and I can share. And then once you've done it, you're like, oh wait. And then you realize, oh, I'm not alone. Whether your fellow artists are sharing a story that is similar to yours, or it's completely the opposite. You understand that they're all vulnerable and they all have hopes and they all have fears and they all have their strengths and they all have their weaknesses. So in many ways you, ha you have this commonality, but at the same time, as you listen to the glow and grows, you're understanding like, oh, wow. Mohawk can sing, that's what makes him unique. And Safa, when she talks, she does this rhythm with her voice. Oh my gosh, that's so cute. And listen to Maria, you know, you're like, oh, wow. So you, you're coming together as a common group that we all have these things that we share and yet we all are so unique. And that's what makes this sort of personal transformation. When you perform, you must count on each other. You're an ensemble. Do you know what I'm saying? And so, and because of the structure that we use where maybe one or two artists are performing at one moment and everybody has their backup, you know, whatever they're doing, whether it's some sort of sound or it's some sort of movement, just like a community, just like a government, just like a school, just like a family, do you know? So you come into it as one young person and you leave as part of a global family. And everybody, everybody does it. And it's such an extraordinary personal and collective experience when you take that bow at the end and people are just going bananas as well they should because of the strength of the writing. And maybe I've told you this story. When we were in Barcelona in 2015, we had had the organization that we were partnering with, Colegi del Teatro. We had been connected with them through the Catalonian Minister of Education. And really hoping, of course, that this individual would come. And they didn't. They sent their assistant. And this man was sitting next to me. And throughout the entire performance, he was texting. And I was trying to watch, but I think there might have been steam coming out of my ears at the same time. Do you know, like, so we got all done. And he was cheering in the crowd. And he turned to me and he said, you must have been wondering why I was texting. And I said, I smiled, I think. And he said, I was texting everyone in the department saying, we all should have come. We should have brought everybody in the entire department. You can't imagine what these kids are doing. You can't imagine. 
He said, what the depth of what they've written. He said, it's just no one. And people will say that. I think they probably did in Tangier. Did you guys really write this? I know. They, they're just can't believe. Yes. I mean, and it all came together, pieces of a puzzle, everything. The music was amazing. We got the piano, Sango playing the piano. It was, it was just straight out of Broadway. Absolutely. It was just amazing. And they're always like that. And, and, and yet you all started as individuals and you come out of it as both yourself and part of this extraordinary collective. So and again, the, the structuring, how individuals go into universities and the universe, you know, that you can be system changers because you know how it feels to go in as yourself, but come out as part of a beautiful collective. Absolutely. To work together to make the changes. You know, it was you and you as artists, but I know Tom was asking you, Ina was asking you, Anthony was getting input. You know, it was, it wasn't, you know, like, okay, you're going to come over. Do you know, it was like, okay, does this feel right? All of that. Yes. I, I believe they were trying to, they guided us into making our pieces, performing our pieces in a, in a better way and still not lose sense of it. I mean, they were very, very careful about the words. They wouldn't even change any piece of wording. They just respected our pieces so much as if they were, I don't know, an organ of our bodies. They just treated it very carefully and i think that was amazing they just made us feel like what we wrote was so powerful that they didn't have any authority to change anything in it they just wanted it to they just wanted to put everything together without changing anything any part of it and i think that was really amazing you just feel like well these people don't even want to change one word i believe what i wrote is so important and i just think that that's how you you think about it in your head because first you say these are just words according to you because you wrote them. But when you see someone else respecting them that much, then you say, well, I think these words are a bit more, a bit more than that. And then when you- Well, and they're not only respecting your words, they're respecting you, you yes. as an artist. Yes, especially if you're mentioning something that you've been holding on to for as long as you can remember and you just got the bravery to write it down when you see someone res respecting it it gives you more strength to just keep on sharing and i just the hugs and people crying and the circle it was just i don't know it was there was power inside of that circle i believe i don't know you could siphon it and just have strength to just go through anything for at least a year until the next summit Fran, I wanted to expand on a point that both you and Miriam shared just uh, sort of like, a, I don't know, a moment ago. You both said that arts can be quite liberating and efficient when it comes to self-expression and that self-expression helps people overcome their fears and also struggles and thus becoming who they always wanted to be. And going back to you, Fran, you're in all those years you've spent, you've watched strangers walk into a room and walk out not only as friends, but as a family. And you have watched artists become fearless and creative change makers. And I wanted to ask you, how do you feel knowing you made a big change in their life? May I be honest? Of course. I've never really thought about it. <laughs> I've never really thought about it. I think your face just says a huge deal of it. I can. I mean, I guess that's just part of who I am because you all know Naya, right? Yeah. Yes. So when she and I were debriefing after Tangier, she said to me, Fran, do you think that um, all of these young people are your children? And I said, no, no, I don't. I, I know you're not my friends. That's clear. Even though we do friendly things, do you know, like if you were in New York, we'd definitely be hanging out, shopping, having lunch. Do you know, we'd be doing friend things, but you are not my friends. Yeah. Do you know, nor, nor, are you, nor should I be, nor should, you know, you got that. Um, nor are you my, you have your own family who love you, but I see you as this extraordinary, each of you, 
as this extraordinarily important part of my life's journey. Because what I learned from you today makes me better this afternoon, will make me better tomorrow. And it inspires me to always be better, to be more open, to be more understanding, to be more supportive. Um, because when I give that out, I get it back in return. You know, I give the respect, the respect comes back. Um, am I pleased that young people see breaking walls as this extraordinary adventure and safe zone? Absolutely. It, it means the world to me. It means the world to me. And I just, my goal is to get breaking walls into a position where we have, we have an ongoing hub in Tangier. And at some point, Miriam is running it. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And we have the same thing in Cape Town and one in Berlin and one in Bucharest and one in Santiago and another one in Detroit. Do you know what I, that's, that's what I, my goal is. Does that answer your question? Have I answered your question? It does. It is perfectly. Yeah. Thank you. Well, I mean, I'm just going to say this. Um, we're going to be speaking now, talking now about the fear of change. So there are many different life experiences where people suffer from fear of change. The fear of failure just waltzes in to create this so-called fear of change. I mean, it's simple, to be honest. If we don't, if we don't know how something will turn out, we may rather not try because the outcome could be bad. And I don't speak for everyone, of course. <laughs> Trying something new becomes a risk, a risk that most of us are not willing to take. So my question is, um, uh, Fran, what would you say to the people who want to change but are afraid of what people might think, or? say they're just simply afraid of uh, the idea of change. If you could have any sort of advice, I'm sure our listeners would be very grateful. Thank you for asking me that, although I may not be the best person to ask because I have a tendency to be quite fearless. When I was 47 years old, yeah. I left my teaching job and came to New York without a job to see because I'd been a student and a teacher my entire life. And I felt like I needed to see what else the world had to offer. And I was interning when I first arrived at, in New York and I was at the Atlantic Theater Company and I met an extraordinary playwright named Craig Lucas. And he and I struck up, a, we became buddies for a while. And one day he turned to me and he said, what are you doing here? You're too old. Nobody, nobody does this when they're your age. They do it when they're fresh out of college and like 21 and then they get it out of their system. And so anyway, so I think I have a quite fearless side. That being said, had I not taken the risk, I would not be where I am now that it was clearly the step that I needed, the impetus. First of all, I discovered that the world is not as big and scary as people think. I came to, you know, there's that saying, if you can make it in New York, you can make it anywhere. And I believe that is true. And I have made it. Mm -hmm. And I'm quite proud of that. I have a co-op, I have a beautiful life, I have a beautiful you know, realm of breaking walls. And I still am connected with the Atlantic Theater Company, which is fantastic. So my, my feelings are two things. Number one, if you're concerned or fearful about making a change, go with, go with a seatbelt go with a seatbelt and you. that way if it crashes you're like oh 
you know? So you think you might wanna study in the US, but you're really, really nervous. And all these terrible things could happen and then you won't have a school to go to when you get back. Well, why don't you have the school ready? So in case you do fail, you can go back to it. Yes. So that, yeah, you, you know. So there's always some sort of safety net. Now, sometimes that holds us back, you know, because you don't give it the full test because you know you can go back, you know, but maybe, you know, if you want to start school in September of, or the fall term of 2021, you haven't arranged to start the next school until fall of 2022. So if you, you know, do you want to lose two semesters? No, I don't really want to lose two semesters. Uh, you know, that kind of thing. So that you, you're doing what's best for you and sometimes in incremental steps, incremental steps. Um, and I've been in situations in my life sometimes, once or twice, sadly, where I thought, you know what, I'm just going to leave and I'm never going to look back and I'm going to move to another state and I'm going to, in this sort of like running away mode. And then I realized, well, you're just going to carry those problems with you <laughs> and you'll be in a new state. <laughs> Great. Do you know, like, all right, do they look any different in Texas than they do in, you know, Nevada? Not really. Not really. They're still the same. In Nevada. So that kind of thing also helped. Like running away, you never want to run away. You always run, in my view, you always want to run towards. Like I am moving towards this. I'm not running away from that. I'm not leaving that. I'm just moving towards the future. I'm moving towards a better relationship. I'm working, moving towards a better educational experience. I'm moving towards the opportunity to intern, you know, at the Sorbonne or, you know, what, that kind of thing. And I think that also helps that you understand that you're just moving forward. You're not leaving, you're not running away. And as they say, you can always go home. I, I don't know if that answers the question, but it's my personal take on it. It does answer the question. Thank you. It's, it's, uh, I think that the fear of change is very crippling sometimes. I think that if you spend your life just uh, being afraid of change, I'm sorry, but I think you're You're not going to do anything in your life because if you're afraid, then I won't go out. I'm afraid maybe something's going to happen to me if I go out. Maybe I could get kidnapped. Maybe I could, I don't know. We have to take those risks. Oh, which leads me to the law of Murphy, anything that can go wrong will go wrong. I just, I just love yeah, I've, I've had, I've had intimate experiences with Murphy's law. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes Murphy's law and I are like perfectly matched. Yeah. And that's, and you've been with me because in breaking walls, when that happens, I just, I just say, okay, plan B. <laughs> Next. Next. Yeah, and that's what everyone should do. I mean, yes, plan B. And if plan B doesn't work, let's have a plan C. And I mean, just what, what are their letters for? Yes. <laughs> we got all the letters. Well, and it's not uncommon. It's not uncommon. I call it my, um, my vivid imagination. Like I get really going, you know, like, oh my God, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, all these things, you know, and I just see this complete disaster and then I'm like wait wait you haven't even called them yet yes you know like why don't you call them first <laughs> and I know. see how they're feel you know, before before you get yourself worked up into a tizzy yes and and had you been had you been afraid or just sort of um kind of not sure of what you were going to do then you wouldn't have even left Denver you would have you would have stayed there and never gotten to New York and you wouldn't have followed your dreams and now you're just doing what you love and just waking up every day so happy for a new day. Um, and I think that's, I think it's worth, worth it. It was worth it. This was where I wanted to be. So I called uh, my union president and he said, well, then let's put you on leave of absence. <laughs> so, you know, technically I did come with a safety net that I could have gone back after a year, but I never did. And I just, it wasn't until I made the documentaries that I realized I wanted to focus on breaking walls and change, you know, that's when I left the women's project. 
and just stayed on at Atlantic and breaking walls. So yeah, you don't know. I think the universe sometimes just points us in the direction that we need to be facing and moving forward towards. The universe it has its ways. It's just pushing you. Yeah. Yeah, you see like your choices are what make you, whether they were bad or good, whether you succeeded or, fa or failed, which is not a failure. I mean, it's not, even a failure is not a failure. It's just a lesson from which you learn. So it's a success. Uh, all the things you made, whether you chose to do that or not to, it's it sort of, it was a, a universe's way to get you where you are now. When you think about it. Very perceptive. Yes, Safa, you're so right. Um, and to be honest, I think that um, it takes work to realize that at some point in our life, in our lives, everything was unknown. I mean, not for us, but because we're still going through life, but I, I think you can, you can agree. And it takes courage and action yes. to move toward a path of positivity and beneficial outcomes. I think it takes a huge strength. And that's why I think it's so necessary to, to work towards a mindset that can welcome and embrace change. Yes, especially now, right? I mean, now I'm at this moment going forward as the vaccine and travel and the world is about to reopen. But the re when this world reopens, it's not going to be necessarily the one that we knew a year ago today. Rebirth. Yes, you're right. You're right. Phoenix rising from the ashes. Phoenix rising from the ashes. Yeah. Yes. That's brilliantly said. Yes, yes. A phoenix rising from the ashes. Led yeah. by Breaking Walls artists and ambassadors. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I also wanted to add that uh, even though change is important and quite frankly, inevitable, you can't just escape change, you will change. Uh, I think that one must never lose sight of who they truly are, who they truly want to be, and what they truly want. Yes, we will never be the same, but we will still be us. Once again, Safa, that is a brilliant insight. Uh, both you and Miriam are so thoughtful and articulate. I really admire that and respect it in both of you. You're right. What, is the, what would the point of changing be if you lost track of who you are? Yes. I mean, the true beauty of each of us is our inner, our inner selves. And if you lose track of that, or you diminish it or restrict it in any way, then is that really, have you really achieved anything? If you can't still be yourself. Yeah, um, I mean, I want to say it is dangerous, but I mean, for the people who have been in such a situation where they had, to, for example, to pretend they were some, someone or something who they were not, then you can't go back from that. I mean, you can't go back to who you were or you can rebuild yourself from there and move on. I mean, it's not, you can't just sit and dwell on that and be like, oh my God, I'm, I'm not me. I don't know who I am anymore. Well, okay, I'm not me anymore. What can I do to become myself again? I think that's the way one should go. Well, and self motive you're right. Self-motivation is real. Self-motivation and self-awareness are key to everything that we've discussed. Only a certain type of young person comes to breaking walls, right? Yeah. I mean, the 10, well, in Tangier specifically, we had the 10 Tangier artists and the three artists from 
Santiago, uh, excuse me, Barcelona. They were all new to the program. That was 13 young people. Now, and I know you, you, you experienced this directly, that it's one thing to have a conversation with me on Skype and I'm telling you all these things we're gonna do. It's another to get there. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, wait, wait, Fran told us we were gonna be writing and sharing and now we're writing and sharing and I, I, I. It's not like, because I think the first reaction is why didn't you tell me? Oh, wait a minute, you did. But somehow when you said it over the Skype, it didn't feel the same as it does now. You know, of course, but that doesn't mean that there isn't a sense in each young person who chooses to come, especially to the summit where you're actually literally making the choice that you, you knew this was something that you felt this is going to be good for me. This is something that I think will be really positive. And then that, and then you take that and we go into like an in-school workshop in the New York public schools or, and we also work in Berlin. Those young people, their teacher picked it, they didn't. And then it's the same thing at the end. They're like, I'm really glad I did this. Yeah. Do you know, but at first I, you know, you're like, oh, we're gonna do this writing and we're gonna perform. And I'm like, what? Great, a woman with a sense of humor. This is never going to happen. And then they're at the end, and they're like, "Wow, this really feels good." And so you walk in, knowing that you have to build a not trust and acceptance right away with these young people. It's it's a fascinating situation. Well, because the universe thought they needed that. Yeah. <laughs> Viewers is like, okay, look, you're struggling. We have this workshop for you. Probably you will that's like right, that's right. Yeah, I promise you will like it in the end. Yeah. I mean, it may not feel like it in yeah. the beginning. So yeah, it's breaking walls. The gift that keeps on giving. We're just making it better. Amen, baby. Amen. The gift that keeps on giving. And then we have our community meetings and we have we have so much going on. And Tom said this recently, he said, the thing is, he said, it's really hard to describe breaking walls because it's so many things. It is. You know, it's, it's the writing, it's the performing, there's the leadership training, there's the health and wellness and the safe zone. You know, there's the LGBT group meeting, there's the young people of color meeting, there's, you know, the women's meeting. It just, you know, and the creative activist lab. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's just so much. I know. And I think it's, uh, we should mention this because in the 2020 cooperative that we, that we did online, I think that it had a different, a different impact on Breaking Walls artists. I think that most of us went out of it and with, um, with a sense of responsibility. I believe a lot of us started Moha, Moha, um, uh, made the the proposition of uh, starting the TikTok group, and then there was the merch ideas, and then there was Angie and Claudia taking over the Instagram. I think that I don't know. It felt like it was some sort of workshop of young entrepreneurs or something like that. Everyone went out of it, and they were like, "We're ready to take on the virtual world." And now that COVID nineteen, COVID nineteen, yeah, COVID nineteen started, so we're just gonna. We're just gonna do all sorts of things. And I think that's amazing because first we we came, most of artists came to Breaking Walls because they needed help. And now we are offering help. And I believe that a lot of us will start offering help and just calling on new people who need help to come to Breaking Walls to get the help that they, that they deserve. And at the same time, I think we're both learning and um, teaching, being, examples of change makers in our own circles and I hope I made myself uh, clear. 100% right, 100% right about and said it so beautifully and articulately like we have this sense of responsibility like you helped us now we want to help others and that's that's exactly what I've seen since the cooperative and I love to tell these two stories, both of them came out of Cape Town. 
um, a young man named Cizo. He posted right after we finished one of our community-based workshops. I think this was in 2018. He did it on Facebook. And he said, I never, I'm one of the most quiet people in my school. And today, after breaking walls, I stood on stage and sang a song entire in front of the entire assembly. He said, thank you. I found my voice. I was like, oh my gosh. And then we had another young man named Jean-Paul. And part of the matric year, maybe this is true in all countries and not just Cape Town. When you're doing your matric or your final senior year and taking the exam, you, the expectation is that you will um, be, you will exhibit leadership. So he attends a very, uh, a school in a really dangerous area. And they were on the playground one day and some of the younger students, I think they were like seventh grade or something, they were messing around and being seventh graders. We've all been there. And they kicked their soccer ball into the plate glass window of a building that was being built across the street. It didn't break it, but it shook it and it angered one of the workers. And he went up and he just started really, he came after these young boys. And Jean-Paul stopped, stood in between him and these kids. And he said, I will speak to them. I will make sure that they understand that they need to be sensible and show respect for the buildings around, but I will not let you touch them. And the man said, then I will touch you. And he started pushing Jean-Paul like this. Um, and Jean-Paul just crossed his arms. He kept his arms at his side and he wouldn't say anything. And finally, this man kept escalating and escalating. His anger kept escalating and escalating. And Jean-Paul said, you're gonna to have to do what you have to do, but I will not raise my hand against you. And some other workers came out and calmed the man down and took him away. And Jean-Paul turned around. And not only were all the students watching this happen, so were the teachers. So he had stood up in front of everyone. Now he did not tell me this story a young man named Eron, who goes to the, who went to the same school, said, I wanna tell you what Jean-Paul did today. And he explained, and he, so when this all ended, he said, the teachers were doing nothing. Only person who was standing up for right was Jean-Paul. And Eron went up to him and said, are you okay? Why did you do that? And he said, well, if we go through breaking walls and they teach us that we're to be peacemakers, I can't be raising my hands to people. You know, I have to live it. And I, I just couldn't even, I was so proud of him that he, I mean, of all the things that we teach, I would not have expected. I mean, I'm glad that that was the outcome, but wasn't, you know, it, anyway, it was just really empowering for me to know that even though it had only been five, four nights, five days and four nights, he had walked away with this, I'm, I'm a peacemaker. And I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna start hitting people, especially not an adult. So, um, exactly what you're saying. I that you can help. You can make a difference, and you are making a difference. Your attitudes, your creativity, um, are are like a ripple effect within your own family, within your schools, your community, and now on the broader world stage. Yeah. So all of it, the merch podcasts, Instagram, TikTok, it's all, and the Red Hearts, the Red Hearts music video. Yes. It's all really, really, really exciting. Yes. And the PSAs, what about the PSAs? Let's not forget the PSAs. Not forget the PSAs, standing up for each and every one of them, tackling life's issues and just raising awareness. I think that's very important. That was, so many beautiful things, despite the fact that we couldn't be together yeah. in person, the cooperative was amazing. Yes, I mean, we need people accomplished in what, 17 hours? Well, you had some time out of class <laughs> doing your videos. 
a moment or two, a moment or two. Yes, but it it all came 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 together at the end, as it always does. Honestly, if you want to do something, you will. You just have to have the right mindset. Yeah. But I, I do I do mean it that I think that next year we're gonna I mean the next time we're together in person, we are just gonna have to just like take take two hours just to pinch our cheeks yes. to remind ourselves that we are finally in face to face again. It's gonna be a lot to absorb. It's gonna be inshallah. Inshallah, inshallah. Yeah. So Fran, any final words, a message, just. First of all, I wanna congratulate each of you, Miriam and Safa, on having the brilliant idea to start a podcast, the Connect, Create, Change podcast, and then the courage to follow through because many of us have good ideas and then life happens and they slip by the wayside, but you have planted it and it will start to grow this next week, right? Yes. And it will blossom as you continue to reach out to more and more people who are positive change makers as each of you are. And that's what we need right now because it's becoming clear to me that each of us are going to face the emerging world that Safa mentioned from the point of view that we need to be a healthy and sustainable self, community, and planet. That that's, that's it. I'm actually quite pleased that you asked me to be your first guest. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, it only seemed seemed right to have you as our first guest. And although I think that I think that um, starting um, this first episode is um, important because um, it it tells the story of breaking walls, so that our listeners would understand the reason why we're going to choose these young change makers and brilliant people that we're going to be chatting with. Um, in connection with our 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 message, our our mission, and I think it, this episode is is actually very important because it it explains the core of um, where it all started, and I think it's very important to understand where we're going. It's important to know your roots and in order to know your destination. Absolutely, absolutely, you're one hundred percent right now. This was episode one. Please tune in for more episodes. If you want to become part of this program, or if you just want more information about Breaking Walls, you can visit our website by clicking the link on the description below. Thank you for listening.